On this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, we're talking Packers and NFL, Brewers and MLB, Bucks and NBA. Get where I'm going with this? We'll also start a brand new segment as we conclude now our podcast with a moment with Giannis. And we'll get to it all coming up. It's the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's roll. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in once again, 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us for this episode, whether you've done so on Google, Spotify, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. Glad to have you with us. Hit that like, subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. So on today's podcast, as I noted in the intro, we're going to hit, obviously, the Packers, the Brewers, and the Bucks on the local side of things. We'll also jump over and hit the NFL, MLB, and NBA on the national side because there are a lot of storylines here as we sit in the midst of April. And one thing I noted, or did not note, I should say, in the opening, got to talk a little golf as well. So we'll get to all of that upcoming. But first, we start with the Green Bay Packers. And There was a report as we are putting this podcast together on Tuesday, April 12th from Tom Silverstein, and Tom Silverstein, I guess, decided to break news that I don't think was noteworthy, so to speak. I don't think many people thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to report to the off-season workouts, but Tom Silverstein essentially... I guess making it official. I mean, Aaron Rodgers still could show up, but Aaron Rodgers not really planning to attend any of the off-season activities that the Packers will be putting on. And does it really matter? I mean, he didn't show up for anything last year and still won the MVP. So I, I just, I guess, I don't know how newsworthy that is. However, what could be newsworthy is the fact that there are many out there, including Tom Silverstein that believe the Packers need to jump on what is an off year for quarterbacks in the upcoming draft and go ahead and trade Jordan Love. Get a second-round pick for him, but go ahead and trade him. The Packers obviously do not feel content based on some of the comments made recently by Mark Murphy with the progress of Jordan Love. There's even a report by Tom Silverstein, and I'm paraphrasing, essentially, once Aaron Rodgers showed up, that leadership quality that Jordan Love was possessing, even walking around the building without Aaron Rodgers, kind of dissipated. So I think there's a wavering of confidence when it comes to Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love has the potential to be an NFL quarterback. What the ceiling is? 
Not quite sure yet with him. But in all fairness, I think it would really help Jordan Love if the Packers traded him. He has been put in a situation that he didn't deserve. He didn't ask to be picked up by the Green Bay Packers. They drafted him and put him in, to say the least, a very compromising situation. You have a now multiple MVP at quarterback who felt, quote-unquote, disrespected because of Jordan Love being acquired in the first round and the fact that the Packers moved up to get Jordan Love. And Jordan Love then had to report, and again, in a situation in the tailspin of Adam Schefter's report that Aaron Rodgers wanted out, then Aaron Rodgers basically taking the hands-off approach of allowing people to come up with stories or figure what's going on in his mind without saying anything, then showing up and talking about the distrust that he had with the front office and, and so forth and how that all played out into what ended up being another MVP year for number 12. However, as we all know, it, it, it didn't go well once we got to the playoffs. Here's the conspiracy theorist in me. Aaron Rodgers does not forget. And I found it ironic as the year went on that suddenly Aaron Rodgers went from, I want, in essence, a divorce from this team and move on and do something with another ball club to finish out my career, to all of a sudden it's hugs everywhere. Everyone is great. I've I've re-established my relationship, excuse me, with the front office. Everything is fine. Kumbaya, it's hugs for everyone. Birkenstocks, tie-dye shirts for everyone. Aaron Rodgers has not forgiven his own family for what he believes are discretions against him. His own family. So again, the conspiracy theorist in me wonders, is this all part of like a, a bigger plot? and I'm probably reading way too much into this, but it's fun, so I continue to do it. Because I sincerely believe that Aaron Rodgers went to the Packers and said, yeah, I'll come back, but you're going to pay me $50 million a year. And it's funny when the PR backlash came, how Aaron decided that $50 million was an inaccurate report, and yet essentially he got $50 million a year. I'm going to make this number so high that you can't afford to bring me back. There's no way you can bring me back. I'm going to make this number so high that I'm going to force your hand, so to speak, in moving me to another team. And the Packers were put between a rock and a hard place, and they found a way to come up with the money to bring Aaron Rodgers back. And so they bring Aaron Rodgers back. We've seen Devontae Adams obviously jump over to the Las Vegas Raiders. And we're looking at a team right now that has really no receivers on it. He's got no one to throw to. He's got, at least at this point, unless somehow the Packers can grab some draft picks, and maybe you do draft, or excuse me, trade a Jordan Love for a second-round pick, and you take a first-round pick, that second-round pick, and something else and package it, and maybe you're able to work something out with 
the Seattle Seahawks and bring in a DK Metcalf. But as of right now, you do not have a starting wide receiver, a starting wide receiver of caliber. We can go ahead and draft all the receivers we want in this upcoming draft, and there are really a lot of good ones. There are a lot of good receivers that three, four years from now have the potential. Again, we know potential is French for not there yet. They have the potential to be at the level of a Devontae Adams. But we also know that Aaron Rodgers does not trust rookies. No matter how talented they are, he does not throw to rookies. And that's what you'd be bringing in. So you'd have an MVP quarterback, and you'd have wideouts that are rookies and expecting the same level of production I don't think is reasonable. The conspiracy theorist in me, again, thinks that this is almost like a long-range plan that Aaron has. Not only am I going to kind of screw the Packers over with my salary demand, but in the long term, what am I doing to the future of this franchise? Now, he'll never outwardly say that, and I could be 1,001% wrong. But when you take this win-now mentality by putting blinders on the future, be careful. And if you want an example, I know it's not the same sport, take a look at the Los Angeles Lakers. This win-now mentality, why? Because you have LeBron James, arguably the best basketball player to ever play in the NBA. And with a win-now mentality, you bring in a bunch of aging all-stars, and for whatever reason, it doesn't mesh once the horn sounds and the opening tip is underway. They never found a groove in this NBA season. And now they're one of few teams that have not made the playoffs. And it's really hard in hockey, and it's really hard in the NBA not to make the playoffs. But the Lakers did just that. Not even a play-in game. They did just that. This is what I'm fearful of in this win-now window that we're in with Aaron Rodgers is that at some point, the bubble's going to burst. And when it bursts, you're going to be left with an aging quarterback and heaven knows what's surrounding him and then trying to figure out a way to move forward. The Packers have done a magnificent job since Brett Favre of managing all of the various landmines and keeping this team moving forward. Have, or should they, have won more Super Bowls? Heck yes. You have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You should have won more Super Bowls. But they've also been viable for the last, what, almost 30 years now? How many teams have been viable? playoff contenders, Super Bowl contenders for almost what is now 30 years. This is where Brian Gutekinds is going to earn his money. This is where we're going to see how he handles these landmines moving forward. What's crazy is defensively the Packers look okay. The Packers have some some areas obviously to shore up, but defensively they don't look so bad. The offensive line looks pretty good. Running back situation, good. Quarterback, multiple-time MVP, but he's got no receivers right now. So that's what the rest of the NFL 
and we will be keeping an eye on as this thing moves forward. So the NFL has a bunch of teams now ready to roll into, they're not even mini camps in the, anymore, they're off-season workouts as, as the guys start to really ramp up. And the one thing the NFL does very well is stagger things monthly. So you're constantly talking about them. It's the one thing baseball can't do or hasn't done. The NBA has gotten better at but hasn't taken it to the same level as the NFL. The NFL, with a 17-week window of games, not counting playoffs, not counting preseason, has found a way to extend that year-round, whether we're talking about the Super Bowl, leading into free agency, leading into the draft, leading into minicamps, all of these things monthly put the NFL on the forefront. And that's exactly what they've done right. Even with the fact that this weekend the USFL will begin its season. And if you love football, at least there's going to be some football on the television. There's going to be something there to watch. Now it'll be interesting to see, and I wrote about this on 414sports.com a few weeks back, it's going to be interesting to see once the USFL, this is just a bad transition, I just jumped right into the USFL, but once the USFL gets to about week four or five, if you want to know if that league is going to survive, watch the television ratings once we get to week four or five. I think the television ratings are going to be pretty good this week. I think the networks and I think the sponsors are going to be very pleased with the ratings after this week. Next week, eh, they should be okay. But once we get to week three, week four, week five, that's when you really want to watch. And I don't mean watch games. I mean watch the ratings. Because if the ratings start to dip, and what we've seen in the past with the USFL, the XFL, the AFL, all of these leagues that have tried spring football is that initially they do well and then somebody just pulls the floor out from under them. And once they do that, that's when the league sponsorship dries up. And when the sponsorship dries up, that's when the league itself will dry up. So the USFL starts this week. Again, just a terrible transition, but that's where we're at. The USFL starting on Saturday, something to watch. If the USFL can somehow finagle away to I don't want to say merge with the NFL but become partners where the NFL can use the USFL like they're doing in certain situations but even more directly as far as initiating maybe rule changes or initiating variations that they would love to see because the NFL is really good at change the NFL is really good at having the game evolve to meet the needs of not only the athletes but the viewer and maybe using the USFL as a test market while giving players an opportunity to further their skills in hopes of getting into the NFL, that's when I think the USFL will survive, when it becomes, in essence, AAA football for the NFL. But we'll have to wait and see. So the draft is coming up. We'll have a draft podcast in the not-too-distant future looking at what the Packers may be able to do with their picks in the first, second, and third round and where we think some other teams may as well pick. Because all you need in the draft, when everybody sets these drafts up, when 
Lachey and, and these other guys from ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever the case may be, when they set their draft boards up, they set their draft boards up without really having the knowledge of whether or not somebody's going to throw a wrench into it. And what I mean by that is you need a trade or you need a team, let's say, to take a quarterback unexpectedly with the fifth pick. Or suddenly with the fifth pick, there's a receiver taken and suddenly there's a run of receivers that go. There's always some spot in the draft where a wrench gets thrown into these mock drafts that are put out. And I'm not saying anything against the mock drafts. The time and effort that goes into those things to kind of project maybe where teams are going to be is quite extensive. All I'm saying is, is on draft day, there are always teams that do something that everybody thinks is, quote unquote, a little bit crazy. And once they do it, it kind of puts all of those mock drafts on its head, so to speak, and changes the dynamics of how other teams then fall into place in making their picks. With all that said, though, we'll take a peek before the draft because the draft should be a blast this year. It's in Vegas. It was obviously a few years ago because of the pandemic. Um, not held there, but it's back in Vegas this year. So it's going to be a party like no other as a bunch of guys get the opportunity to fulfill what for many of them is a lifelong dream. So that obviously coming up here at the end of April. All right, let's take a break. On the other side of the break, baseball is back. The Brewers are underway. And boy, is there ever a sport that has more overreaction than baseball? We'll talk about it in just a sec. This is, as you know, the 414 Sports Podcast. All right, let's get into something that we didn't think a few weeks back we would even be talking about at this point, and that's Major League Baseball, and specifically the Milwaukee Brewers, who have gotten off to a bit of a shaky start, one in three at the time of us putting this podcast together after losing to the Orioles, two nothing. And yes, it has been an unbelievably shaking a shaky, excuse me, start for the Milwaukee Brewers. Pitching has not been good. Hitting and scoring runs, borderline inept, but we're four games in. We have 158 more games to go. The only team right now who I would say needs to worry, as soon as the first pitch happened, I would say the Florida Marlins have been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. There are some teams out there that as soon as the season started, a.k.a. Florida, their chances of getting to the postseason are nil. The Brewers, for whatever reason, are having some issues coming out of spring training. And if you look at the rest of the NL Central, and if you're already crying wolf on the bandwagon that the Brewers suck, the Brewers are this, the Brewers are that, relax. There's 158 more games to go. And yes, I know. The pitching that was supposed to be their strong point hasn't necessarily shown that yet. The hitting, 
with runners in scoring position has not been great. But there's 158 more games to play. Baseball's a marathon. You hear people talk about it all the time. Baseball is a marathon. If this were the Packers off to a one and three start, yeah, I'd be worried. I no doubt in my mind I'd be worried. There'd be no question about it. Why? Because what fourth of your season is already in the books. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. And yes, I know right now the Brewers and the NL are in last place at one and three. St. Louis two and one, Chicago two and one, Cincinnati two and two. This will all even itself out. The Cubs, the Reds, the Pirates. Like if you're running a marathon, these are the guys who take off in a sprint. Like like can run a mile like there's no tomorrow. They're running a five-minute mile. They're getting out front. They're getting themselves a little pub, getting a little publicity because they're leading the race. And then all of a sudden you get to that three-mile marker and they start to fade into the pact. And you get to the quarter-mile marker and they're somewhere way, way in the back. That's how I see the Milwaukee Brewers right now. Three teams that have gotten off to a sprint in a marathon are going to eventually not only fall back to the rest of the group, but fall way behind the rest of the group as well. The Brewers are going to be okay. Andrew McCutcheon being added to this team, brilliant. Just brilliant. What he'll bring now as a DH and what he will bring in that locker room is absolutely unbelievable. The fact that you got Hunter Renfro to shore some things up on the infield, another great move. Christian Yelich right now, who everybody was concerned about, including yours truly, four games in, hitting 364. Can't complain about the hitting. We've got a team right now that just hasn't gelled. We've got a team right now that for whatever reason coming out of spring training wasn't hitting on all cylinders, no pun intended. It's going to be okay. The Brewers are going to be just fine. The NL Central outside of maybe the Cardinals, who would be their biggest competition once we get to October, is a hot mess. Look at the lineups on the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds and tell me you're afraid. And don't tell me right now that, well, the Cubs, they won two out of three. Yes, it's the beginning of the race. They got out to a great start. Good for, good for the Cubs. Good for Wrigleyville. They won two out of the first three. Let's talk about where the Cubs are at the end of April. Let's talk about where Pittsburgh is at the end of April. Let's talk about where Cincinnati is at the end of April. And then let's talk about where Milwaukee is. Milwaukee will be okay. Things will come together once the pitching gets settled in a little bit, once the hitting – if I shouldn't even say once the hitting settles in. The hitting isn't necessarily terrible. It's terrible with runners in scoring position. That's the issue right now. Once those things get cleared up, we're all set. So going into this season with the new labor agreement, we're getting universal DH. 
which is another reason why the pickup of Andrew McCutcheon, not only a former MVP himself, but you pair him with Lorenzo Cain, and you have now center fielders that you can alternate, and while one is in the field, the other one is also going to be DHing. So you're getting consistent at-bats, but you're also, in essence, resting players because of the DH. We've got question marks, sure. Colton Wong, who everybody hopes will snap out of it, hitting 250 right now. Okay, that's much better than what it was. Willie Adamas hitting 267. He keeps that at that pace. Hello. As I said, Hunter Renfro, I think I said the infield before. Mistook. Right field. Hunter Renfro, we need to have him uh, pick things up a little bit. But let's think about the fact that in order to get Hunter Renfro, we got rid of Jackie Bradley Jr., who is a good ball player, but for whatever reason didn't work in Milwaukee. And the fact that you were able to unload Jackie Bradley Jr. and pick up then somebody like Hunter Renfro, again, goes to the front office. And the front office for Milwaukee needs to be commended beyond belief. What they've done in putting a team together that over the last, how many now, five years, six years, has consistently vied for playoff spots. And yes, we'd love to see them win the NL. We'd love to see them get in a World Series. I don't argue with that. And no, just because you make the playoffs, that doesn't mean anybody is content. But there were times in this city when baseball season started, there, there were dreams of maybe getting to the postseason and so many things would have to happen correctly and so many guys would have to play beyond their numbers that for many years in this city, we were the Florida Marlins. We were mathematically eliminated right after the first pitch. And now with the current ownership, the current front office, the current managerial positions, we have a team that is playoff viable. Yes, we want to see it get to the next level, but don't underappreciate the fact that you have a team that is playoff viable. Now, let's do better with transitions than I did on the football side of things. It's playoff time in the NBA. The Bucks have their opponent in the first round, and we have a play-in game uh, games, excuse me, that begin tonight at the time of us putting this podcast together. So let's talk Bucks. Let's talk NBA basketball. We'll be right back. talk some NBA playoff action as the Bucks now will sit with the number three seed in the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs. They'll take on the Chicago Bulls. So we get ourselves an I-94 opening series between the two teams. The Bucks have won all four meetings with the Chicago Bulls this season. There, There's really nothing on paper that says the Bulls stand a chance to advance against the Bucks, and I don't think they do. The only thing I'd be concerned if I were placing a wager is on game one. 
I I would think the Bulls are going to throw everything they have at the Bucks to try and establish some credibility. And in doing so, could come away with a win. And we've seen it before where the Bucks sleepwalk in game one and then absolutely turn it on thereafter. So be careful of game number one if you're laying some of your hard-earned money on the game. And I could be completely wrong. I don't pretend to know the gambling side of things. Heaven knows my checkbook will back that up. But just be careful of game one. And then after that, I think I think the Bucks absolutely roll the Chicago Bulls. And so from there, we could get some interesting matchups. Now, first of all, tonight, as we're putting this podcast together, you get Brooklyn and Cleveland. Remember a few weeks ago when Brooklyn traded James Harden to the 76ers for Ben Simmons and how both teams seemingly were relieved they got rid of what they conceived to be, in essence, their dead weight, the the members of the team that were kind of, you know, dragging the back end of the bus, so to speak. And neither one of those teams right now, Philadelphia maybe more because of Joel, Joel Embiid, but Brooklyn, even with Kevin Durant, who is, if not right now, the best basketball player in all the land, he's in the top three, depending on what your order might be. He's an incredible talent. And yet, what they have surrounding him, even with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, who obviously didn't play a lot this year because he didn't want to get vaccinated. It's a team that plays little if no defense. They rely on Kyrie. They rely on Kevin Durant to score a ton of points for them to win. But because they don't play any defense and because the playoffs are a different animal, now you're scheming for teams. Yeah, you scheme for teams during the regular season, but not to the extent you do in the playoffs. Be careful, Brooklyn. Cleveland has been scrappy all year. The Cavs have been scrappy all year. You have the same record. Both of you come into the game 44-38. and 38. My head tells me Brooklyn wins the game. My heart tells me, watch out for the Cavs because that could be a major, major upset. Another playing game is Atlanta and Charlotte. On the other side, you've got the Pelicans against San Antonio and Minnesota against the Clippers. Keep an eye on the Clippers on the western side of things with that play-in game. With the injuries that they've had on that team, the way they've overcome and finished two games over 500 at 42 and 40. Watch out. They're doing something right there. Again, with the injuries that have taken place, the fact that Paul George has finally kind of come back. He's played maybe, what, less than half a season, I believe? Kawhi Leonard has not played. And there's your two big stars who have played very little this season, and yet they finished two games above 500. Tyrone Liu has shown he knows how to coach in the playoffs, especially with when he was with the Cavs. And you can say what you want about the fact he had LeBron James. They're finding a way to win in Los Angeles. And not the Lakers, it's the Clippers. So the Suns get the number one seed. The Heat get the number one seed in the East. And yet, none of these teams in the East strike any fear 
as a fan to the defending champs. If I'm the Bucks, you have all of the pieces in play, and you did it right again. You didn't worry about the regular season. Hashtag shut up, Boston. I don't know if any of you saw Boston losing their minds because the Bucks finished in the third seed because they rested some players down the stretch. Because if you remember, again, back when we were the number one seed and we were really, really worried about the regular season and we saw what happened then once we got to the playoffs when guys weren't healthy, when guys weren't rested, we didn't do as well. And suddenly they flipped their approach. They're getting guys rest periodically through the season. They're making sure everybody's healthy, as healthy you can be, at the end of a regular season, at the end of 82 games, to make that run in the playoffs. And Boston's mad. Why is Boston mad? Because they feel that the Nets will win, and if the Nets beat Cleveland, then that's who they've got to face in that seven-seed spot. Wouldn't it be ironic if Brooklyn were to lose to Cleveland and then they had to play Cleveland and then the Cavs beat Boston? Oh, I'd be buying Cavs gear. I'd be buying Cavs gear. Because the overreaction to resting players, that's a discussion the NBA is going to have to address. Adam Silver came out this week and began, I guess, talking about it publicly in the fact that they're going to have to sit down with the players' union and figure some things out because you've got too many stars resting during the regular season. You've got too many games, even here in Milwaukee, because of back-to-back road win or back-to-back road games, excuse me. And then all of a sudden, that third game is at home, where Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are getting the night off from the team, and rightfully so. You're going back-to-back coming off a two-game road trip and then having a home game after flying and everything else. I I don't see a problem with it. The problem, however, is from a fan perspective, you're paying good money these days to go into Pfizer Forum and see those guys play, and they're resting. That's where the issue is, and not only here in Milwaukee. It's all over the NBA. So Adam Silver is going to have to address that, but they haven't yet. And so the rules state, Essentially, you can rest people. And so, Boston, if, if you were concerned, then maybe you should have managed uh, managed the team in such a fashion to make sure that they were ready to roll once playoffs come. And they might be. I have no idea. But I just found it ironic that the Boston media was thinking that the Bucks somehow were dodging the Brooklyn Nets. And, again, looking at, okay, Philadelphia, okay, Miami doesn't bother me. Toronto doesn't bother me. Chicago doesn't. Boston doesn't. Brooklyn doesn't. Cleveland. I mean, I'm going right down the list. There's maybe one team that I think could make a series out of it if they play the Bucs, and that would be Philly. Other than that, I don't, I don't think a, a, a series goes past maybe five games. And we love Bucks and six, but I don't think a series goes past five games. So the playoffs begin tonight. Enjoy because we're getting ready, hopefully, to repeat as NBA champions. Now, we're going to start a new segment that we will air here at the end, but we're going to slide in a a little master's talk before we get to that final segment. That final segment from now on for at least the foreseeable future and closing out the podcast is our moment of Giannis because I think sometimes Giannis does so many things so, so well that maybe 
we're starting to take it for granted, and we shouldn't because what we're seeing is kind of a generational, once-in-a-lifetime talent that has decided to make Milwaukee home. So we'll close out our podcast with a moment of Giannis. But again, before we get to that, little Masters talk. We'll do that right after this break. All right, let's talk some Masters that took place this past Sunday. Scotty Scheffler has roughly 2.6 million reasons why to be a little bit happier as the week moved on. He gets the win, finishes at minus 10, three shots ahead of Rory McIlroy, and thank goodness he had the type of lead that he had going into the final hole. You could see the nerves getting to him a little bit, having some issues uh, on the green trying to finish things out, but does so finishes, as I said, minus 10 and comes away with the victory. But the story that many were following, including myself, was Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods finishes 13 over. He'll finish 47th, uh, not the bottom of the barrel. Close, but not the bottom of the barrel. He, uh, He falls ahead of the likes of Adam Scott, Max Homa, uh, Daniel Berger, Tyrell Hatton. Tyrell Hatton's another uh, story for another time with the way he ran his mouth. But you see others like Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka who didn't make the cut. And Tiger made the cut. There's a number of others, if you go down the line, that didn't make the cut to get to Saturday and Sunday, like Bryson DeChambeau. Now, Bryson DeChambeau has been injured, which played a factor into him not making the weekend, but Tiger still made the weekend. And Tiger made the weekend coming off the fact that 13 months ago, there was talk that Tiger's leg would have to be amputated. And you could see at the end of Sunday's round the labor that was going on in him trying to walk and finish his round. But he finished. And I think what I found hysterical And not to take anything away from Scotty Scheffler, we should be talking about him. Minus 10, rounds of 69, 67, and then the weekend back-to-back 71s. But Tiger obviously has been the face of the PGA for how long? Good, bad, and in between. And coming off of what was a potential, a potential amputation to be able to play competitively and make the weekend was the story. And to read headlines like, oh, Tiger's mortal. Tiger's mortal. For the first time ever, we've seen Tiger. He's mortal. If anything, it's the exact opposite. The fact that his leg was crushed, how many bones were broken, how many pins and rods have been put in in order to stabilize that leg, how strenuous the rehab process had to be, just to be able to walk and then factor in your golf swing? And you're talking about Tiger being mortal? Tiger showed you he's beyond mortal when it comes to golf. Just getting to the weekend. Now what happens down the line, who knows? You know, I know Tiger still wants to uh, surpass Jack Nicklaus, which is admirable. Go for it. It gives yourself a goal, something to reach for. Strive on. 
But for those reporters who kept talking about Tiger being mortal because he wasn't in contention on Saturday and Sunday, and we wanted Tiger to be in contention, the storylines there would have been astronomical. But the storyline of Tiger getting to the weekend, finishing the weekend, and making the cut to play Saturday and Sunday, that's the story. And that's where Tiger has shown he's not mortal. He's beyond that when it comes to the game of golf. It just, there are so many out there that want to pull down as opposed to elevating and celebrating what somebody has done. And the fact that there are those just, I guess, disappointed that Tiger didn't make the cut, or I should say make the cut as far as being in contention, Yeah, shame on you because you missed a heck of a story and you missed a heck of an effort because that's what you got watching Tiger Woods play on Sunday and then seeing later on in the afternoon what Scotty Scheffler was able to do at the Masters. All right, we're going to close things out with something new. We're calling it a moment of Giannis, and we'll get to it in just a moment. All right, something new to finish out the 414 Sports Podcast, and we call it A Moment with Giannis. You ready? Let's open open up with a joke. Um, What do you call a cow on the floor? Anybody know? Ground beef. (laughs) He is simply the best. That was Giannis as we wrap things up. This edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thanks so much for logging in. Hit that like, subscribe button. We'll talk to you later in the week. Hey.